But I remember moments that they had a big locker room because they were all boys and I had my small little locker room and I was just crying afterwards because I was like, what am I doing to myself? This is not fun. Hey everyone, welcome to our podcast, The Bold Tackle. We are your hosts, Sophie Howard and Oliver Howard, and we are ready to tackle bold topics in sport, highlight the women's football industry, and speak about the unspoken. If you are ready to get an insight into what really goes on behind the scenes, join us on our journey and listen in to The Bold Tackle. Hi and welcome back to a new episode of our podcast, The Bold Tackle. And hi, Soph, lovely to have you back in the call. Hi, Oli, nice to see you again. Our first guest today in 2024, do you want to introduce her? Yeah, I can. We've got um, a very good friend of mine here. We've got Janice Kamen, two times Champions League winner, very high profile player, record appearance holder for Belgium. Janice, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Thank you that I be you. Ah, welcome. Um, do you want to give us a little rundown of your career, where you've been and all the stations to get you here to Leicester? Uh, yes, so um, I always played in Belgium until I was 18 or 19. And then I went to, to college in, in Florida State, in the US. And then I started my, my trip in, in France, where I played for FCFGBC. Um, did a short um, yeah, trip to the US, to Western New York fashion at the time. Then went to Montpellier and then to New York. So I think it's fair to say you've been at the best club in the world for many years. What in the end made you move to Leicester? Um, I think it was a, a good opportunity to um, come to a different league. I was in France for a total of 10 years, I think. Um, of course, it wasn't easy to decide that I was leaving Lyon, but I think it was a, a mutual agreement. And uh, yeah, I think Leicester had a, a very nice project that I, that I believe in as well and that I really want to be part of. Janice, can you compare the two leagues first? Because you spent a long time, as you said, in France. And I speak to Sophie a lot when we compare Germany and the UK. How does the French league compare to the UK league? Um, yeah, I think in France, it really was a league where you had two max three teams that were battling for the title. And I think in the UK now, you can really see that every weekend, um, it's kind of like a, a final game. Everything can happen, I feel like. And um just the way the game is played here is, is more physical and uh, sometimes maybe more direct kind of play, more transition, yeah. Sophie also mentioned that you won the two Champions Leagues. How did you prepare for the Champions Leagues and, and why were you so good? Why were you able to win them? Did you do something differently? Um, yeah, I think just in Lyon there's a, a winning mentality and um, it's a different kind of pressure than you have now in Leicester, for example, where... You have to win the games to get the points to stay in the league, maybe. And in Lyon, you had the pressure to um, to win every game because you have to be first of the league and there's no other way around that. And um, I think with Champions League, it was kind of the same because there's such a big history in Lyon um, of winning it. And um, yeah, I think that's also why a lot of players want to go to Lyon to, to win the Champions League because this is the culture there of um, winning this, this beautiful... Um, yeah, Champions League and so I think you just every day in practice you you have to give it your all because yeah. you're speaking about the two different types of pressures which pressure do you to, 
do you think is better for the game? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I like to experience this pressure again in Leicester, I must say. Um, because, I mean, in, in Lyon, we, we celebrate every victory, but it's still different when you win all the time to when you really have to win and then you like savor the moment even more, I think. Um, so I think that's how I feel right now, yeah. Um, I think Willie's mentioned it before, when, when we won a game, it, it's just another win for you. Is that what it feels like? Just another win? No. <laughs> no, no, because I remember... Um, yeah, against Bristol, we were really happy with, with the points. And yeah, I was also very happy. And I, I told you as well, I was like, I just love winning. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine it almost becomes addicting. Winning does. Do you think, or, or what was the key to developing this winning mentality that you clearly had at Lyon uh, when you have these pressures? And you didn't only win the Champions League, you won it twice. And you won the league three times when you were there. Basically, you you won everything you could. You won the French Cup. So what was key in developing this winning mentality, you think? Um, yeah, I think it's, it starts from, from the board on. And then, yeah, it just goes down on the coaches and then on the players to yeah, put this pressure on ourselves to be the best, yeah. the best of ourselves every weekend. And, uh, yeah, there's just no other way than winning the game because, you know, as soon as you lose points that you're perfect mission can yeah just fall apart because that's how you start the season as well you say you have four trophies to win objective is to win all four trophies do you think because I often think you can only win all these competitions when you have a good squad not only a good team was that something you lived at Lyon yeah I think um it's yeah the most talented squad that I was part of and just every player on the field um was really worth being there and I think we also had a very good combination of people that were starting most of the time and then you had the the game changes how we called them and there was a very good understanding between everybody and everybody wanted the best for each other and I think that's also why we went so far in the competitions. You spoke about there only being two or three uh, teams who are challenging for the title and I think that's something you see in the French League in general there's normally PSG and one or other team that are also on the men's side competing for that title so you managed with Lyon to win the Champions League on with PSG we can see they get to the quarterfinals semi-finals and then they drop out how did you manage to keep the competition high when you don't have the highest competition on a weekly basis but how do you keep the competition within the team high to be able to perform in a final in a semi-final in a quarter-final I think it's because every day in practice you're playing against the best players in the world and that's what we said sometimes as well that during the week it's sometimes harder than during the weekends in a, in a league game <laughs> and yeah that's that might sound a bit cocky but it, it was just the truth and um, I think that's also how you keep yourself sharp for then the quarterfinals, semifinals uh, in the Champions League. And yeah, you just have the international class as well because almost all the players play for their countries as well. So every international break, they might have uh, challenging matches as well. So I think that's just how you keep the level up. You went to the Champions League final twice. The day you realise you're not picked for the starting eleven. how do you deal with your personal frustration? How do you put that aside to make sure you're there for the team? Wait a minute, did that happen both times or just in one final? No, the first final I didn't play at all. I didn't come in at all. 
um yeah so it's not easy to realize that you're not gonna start um but then like i said we had such a good group that um you wanted the person that was starting in front of you to be good and then when needed that you were ready and um yeah in the the week before the finals um the practice was so well from the starting team but also from the people not starting to make it as hard as possible to most realistic as the opponent during the final um this i remember from the barcelona game and um yeah i think that's also then a team reward why we were so good on the day of the final how early do you know if you're playing or not is it a full week um normally in league games it was just the day off kind of and um But for Champions League, it was different because we really took the time to prepare the game so everybody knew their position. Of course, some things could change, but it was quite obvious this is a starting team and these are the game changers. <clears throat> and did you think that helped or that hindered the team? Because on the one hand, it gives a starting eleven the most energy they can have because they know they're going to be starting in the Champions League final. On the other side, you have the bench where they think... Oh, As you said, damn, I didn't make it. I'm going to try to do the best for my team. But obviously it does get you down, don't you think? Yeah, it's always a tricky one. Like when is the best timing to, to tell the players what the starting 11 is? But I think in those moments, clarity is very important. And then it also gives you the chance to to maybe be like feel sad for yourself or be disappointed. But then in the end, after one day, you just know you make the click. And I think that's also part of the... yeah. The life of a professional athlete that sometimes you're not going to start but you'll have your part in it anyways if you play or not so i think in that way it was good to know in advance i find it so so interesting that i guess that's the approach you as a team took because you i could imagine you've got what's it 25 high profile players there's going to be a few that are quite annoyed that they're not playing and i think it's such a big message to every player and every team out there, no matter how big you are, the team is always bigger. And um, I'm glad you shared the Barcelona story because I know the story, but I think it's very important for people to realise Janice was potentially going into the big, biggest game of her career, Champions League final. You're not picked, but you're now taking the role of I'm doing everything to prepare that team that's going out there. Um, I'm just basically repeating your story, but I think it's so important to share because it is not something that is... Um, normal anymore but that's what being a team is supposed to be like um, I find it very interesting um, because obviously if I were a coach I wouldn't know what to do because my first thought was I'll tell them as late as possible but to give them enough time to be prepared but if I keep the time and the news to myself everyone would be extra motivated to get that spot for the final and we'll have an extra high class extra full energy training session but on the other hand I do understand what you're saying tell them a week before they're going to have one day where they're going to be really upset and then they're going to try to prove themselves to be the first one to get off the bench um, so an interesting approach to take by the coach I'm not sure what I would do but I can see both sides I think this is where it shows how important emotional intelligence is from a manager. Um, the ability to read a room, maybe. Um, and as Janice said, this manager changed his decision in terms of typically they get it a day before. And, but for this occasion, he knew how important the preparation was. So changed his mind and gave it a week ahead. Um, probably knowing that some players will be really disappointed for a week, but also knowing the professionality or pre professionalism. Is that the word? I guess professionalism <laughs> of his players that he knows they're going to put the team first. 
So Janice, did you did you play in the second final? In the second final, I came in. Yeah, yeah. It was it was amazing because you know um, at halftime they tell um, the coaches and tell yeah these three or five players they go warm up, and then you're like okay I make a chance, <laughs> and then yeah because we were leading three um, one I think and uh, you know Barcelona is gonna come and pressure is coming have good forwards and then uh, yeah the moment comes that you can get in and then I think I got 20 minutes and yeah it was just amazing because then when the final whistle you're on the field and you really just jump into each other's arms hardly anyone ever gets the feeling of playing a Champions League final or final in general can you talk about your emotional feelings when walking on the pitch are you nervous are you are you motivated are you scared um, I wouldn't say scared, but I was nervous and motivated because you're like, okay, we cannot give up another goal because then it's going to be not great because we were playing the Juventus Stadium, but it felt like we were in Camp Nou with all the Barcelona fans. I think we just had a small <laughs> corner with some Lyon fans. Um, but other than that, it was just Barca, Barca, Barca. Um, but no, I think it's just screaming at your teammates, like encouraging each other. Just every tackle is good. And when they shoot over the goal, you're like, yes, it's a little victory. And you see their frustration building up. So this gives us more confidence. And I think we were so solid as a team. And the players that came in really helped the team as well. And yeah, when the yeah when the ref blows the whistle, it was just oh, excitement, emotions, everything. Was that also your um, biggest highlight of your career so far? Um, yeah, I think so. From club-wise, for sure. Yeah, it was the one uh, against Barcelona was a, a very nice one. You're talking about the Juventus Stadium as well. And Sophie and I, in previous epi episodes, discussed the development in women's football. How do you see it from your side? How do you find has it developed? And how long is the way still to go? Especially being in that final, seeing the fans you can attract to the to the stadium. Um, yeah, I think it it progressed a lot. And um, now really the Champions League, you could feel like you're in a, a men's Champions League. Because um, I remember in Juvisy, it was 2013, I think. I played the first time um, Champions League semifinal. We lost from Lyon. But you cannot compare that to how it is organized now. Like there's banners everywhere. You have a big stadium where the final is, is held and... Yeah, the fans are there as well now. So it's, um, yeah, it came a long way. I think it can still get better, um, even bigger stadiums, bigger crowds. But I think we're on the on the right track with that. Moving to Leicester, do you think they are going the right way as well? Because we spoke about Sophie and the development you've seen in Leicester and everything they provide. Um, yeah, I think it's a, a very professional environment to be part of. And um, when I compare it then to, to Lyon, I think... Everything is here as well to, to be a successful team. And um, it's cool to, to start this journey here. And um, I think that's really what it is. It's going to be a journey. So I know it's like a, a catchphrase, but trust the process. But I think it really is. And it will go with ups and downs. But um, at some point, you're going to make the click. And then it's going to be more ups and downs. Do you think there's something missing at the moment? Oh, difficult question. Uh, maybe stability, Yeah, I would say. Um, I think first half of the season, we did good things and we got a lot of leads, but we gave them away. And um, yeah, this is something where we need to get better at um, to maybe uh, sometimes be a, more, a little bit more conservative and try and keep the leads instead of um, taking too many risks. But that's 
probably one of the reasons why Leicester got a player like you in because you've just got the experience obviously you and Sophie are on the older side of a team and I think maybe that's something you can also bring to the team to have this experience and to lead a team yeah I, I think so and Sophie's a good example of this as well and I think it's uh, not of the age, yeah. <laughs> just experience. <laughs> but I think it's, um, yeah, it is quite a safe environment here as well that we are allowed to, to share our experience and, and that there's listened to. So I think that's very important as well if you want to make progress. Yeah, I think I can, only, I can only advocate for bringing experience in in a sense of you've got someone that's won basically everything there is to win out there that is, however, so grounded and humble. And simply, I wouldn't say, Janice, you're the most vocal leader, but you simply lead by example. You've been there, you've done it, and you're now trying to pass all your knowledge and um, experience onto the younger generation, probably knowing that when Leicester gets to the level of Leon, you won't be anymore. And I think that is very admirable. Um, and I think that defines you as a person. I'd like to switch to you. Janice came in as a person as well, because Ollie and I always speak about how important we think it is to see the person behind the player um you're from a generation where it wasn't all full-time football when you grew up you've got two degrees actually yeah not only one <laughs> do you want to share about your academic career and also i'm dropping it in janice is also an author would you like to speak about your book as well oh yeah true um yeah so last year yeah in march i um brought up my book uh, together with the the belgian writer Raph Willems. And um, yeah, it was kind of a exciting journey as well because you really talk about your whole career and your life to a person that you in the beginning don't know. And it's quite sometimes not confronting, I would say, but a little bit in a good or maybe a, a way that you think, oh, I should have done that differently. But it's it's always nice to look back and uh, maybe it's weird to do it still during a career, but I can always make it 2.0 after. <laughs> I'm happy in that. There'll be a lesser chapter. <laughs> you. Um, no, but I think, uh, yeah, I, in the beginning of my career, yeah, I just played in Belgium and there, I think we practiced three times in a week and this was the highest league in Belgium and you combine this with studies. I think still a lot of girls in Belgium do this. Um, so yeah, I, I got a chance during my first degree in Belgium before I finished it to go to the US to do college and uh, yeah, I took that one because I, I think it was a, one of the best experiences as well in my life, um, going to the US, feeling the college life, good level of well as of soccer, and um, yeah, got another degree there as well in, in international affairs because this was the easiest one as a foreigner to take. <laughs> and then uh, I went to France, and then I finished my degree from Belgium in physical education. Comparing your time then to now, would you recommend all the youth players to get a degree, or would you recommend to entirely focus on football because you do have a chance to make it and it's going to become better in future but it's a good time to be involved in football now don't you think yeah I think so and I mean young players now have opportunities that we didn't have back in the day but I think it's still a, a good idea to get a degree and there's so many ways you can get one now there's so many online courses um, I think here in England as well PFA helps uh, people out with formations and stuff so I think it's still good to have something behind your hand if something would go wrong in football because um, we're still not making the same amounts of money as, as the men's. But uh, We're working on it. Yeah. 
It's exactly, trust the process. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, but I think, yeah, um, you can split up stuff now at school as well that you do, um, uh, I don't know, three or four courses a year. And this is how you get your degree as well in the end. It just takes a longer time, but in the end, you still have it. Is there any specific aspect you would tell youth players to focus on? Because there's so many... You had to go to training three times a week, play football and have fun. Looking at football now, it's not only training, it's physical training, being mentally strong, knowing about nutrition, um, getting your elbows out. Um, what we had back in the day was fun. And I think this is very important for young players now. Like you said, a lot of money is getting involved um, if there's a talent of 12 year olds or even younger and they're already making money of their talents um so i think that's yeah it's a dangerous part of football i think because people can get completely lost in this and this is how you use players um yeah just for the money instead of them having fun playing football with their mates and becoming very good players and and then making it in the professional world so yeah it's a tough one i just think it's becoming more and more business like it is uh, with men's football which partially I understand because the money has to come from somewhere um, on the other hand however I think if you don't truly love it you won't you won't sustain you won't have the resilience to get through the tough times which every player faces in a different way um, whether that's not being selected whether that's an injury you will f face some challenges and if your heart's not really in it I don't believe you'll get through those mm -hmm. tough times I agree yeah I think if you don't want to get up every morning to go practice because this is what you love to do. Because you love to come and see me yeah, in the morning. Exactly. <laughs> just, you're always the first one in as well, so I have no choice. <laughs> and then I just hear, hello. <laughs> so, yeah, I that's why I go to football every day. <laughs> Can you talk about the difficult times you've had in your, in your past in football and maybe in life in general and how you over overcome it? Uh, overcame it because you spoke about your autobiography and how you challenged yourself did I make the right decision or here or there so you must have had challenging times as well um yeah I think it was more when I was younger because I went to um so I did three years in high school uh, in a normal school and then I went I was selected to go to uh, a more special school where you could only do football you had this for different sports but I was the only girl there and uh, the first one as well getting there. So you could just see the boys thinking like, what is she doing here? And um, yeah, and so the first um, training practice that I did the year before I went there, I not met the guy. <laughs> and they were all like, oh no. <laughs> and then, but then I got- Here comes trouble. I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but then I got injured. So I, in the beginning, I couldn't even hit a, like a crop of salad, I think, to, to break it. So my leg was so weak. And then you could just hear the boys behind you saying, like, what is she doing here? There's no place here for her. But then as I got back from the injury, it just got better and better. But I remember moments that they had a big locker room because they were all boys. And I had my small little locker room. And I was just crying afterwards because I was like, what am I doing to myself? This is not fun. But then after a while, it just got better because you find your space on the field, the boys start to respect you. And yeah, in the end, I how think did you get through it? Stronger. Yeah, it just, yeah, I think just suck it up. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, I could talk to my brothers and or my parents about this as well, or teammates at the time in, in uh, the girls team. 
but I think in the end it's just on yourself as well like do I really like this do I want to continue this and then you just do it and you you make a spot for yourself anyway so and as soon as you get the respect of one of the boys and it was mostly the the elder boys and it like it just grows and in the team and then before you know it you're part of it you're in spoke about you're in you're in you're part of the team you spoke about your family um and your parents how big of a part did they play in your success a huge part i think without them i wouldn't be here today probably i mean normally because yeah i mean we yeah. needed them <laughs> <laughs> um but no they're they're a huge support uh, my mom is visiting me tomorrow again and they really try and be involved and I mean, I have three brothers, so it's not always easy for them to divide the attention, but I think they did quite a good job. And I, I can't complain. All my brothers are very supportive as well. And yeah, it's just a pleasure. I just wanted to come back to the book real quick. Um, what was your motivation to write a book? Because not every player just randomly writes a book. Um, so yeah, the idea of the book came um, actually more from my agency at the time, um, because the author came to me and maybe wanted to write a book, but it was more about a practice thing or something. And then my agency said, why don't we write a book about you so mm -hmm. people get to know you in Belgium as well? And um, yeah, I thought this was a great idea. And then one of the things that I really believe in is uh, Plan Belgium, we call it Plan Belgium. And um, it's, yeah, an organization that takes care of um, of girls in, uh, in countries, in different countries. And um, yeah, women's rights that um, you don't have yeah, 10 year olds having to marry an 18 year old already in somewhere in Africa. So it's uh, I came in touch with this through national team and became one of the ambassadors. So I thought it was a good way as well to, to give them something. I'm not sure if you can speak about this, James, but do you have, um, because we're getting to the end of the episode, what are your plans for the future? Are you going to stay in the football business? Um, yeah, I think so. I really think football is my passion. And I also did a a football management formation from UEFA that I finished in September, I think. And um, this was very interesting to learn about everything around the pitch. So not the pitch, but everything organization-wise around it. And I think uh, I could find my uh, my place in one of these roles. So do you see your future off the pitch instead of standing on the sideline? Yeah, I'm also <laughs> still on my UEFA IA um, coaching degree. Uh, that I have to finish so it could be an option but I think it would be more off the pitch yeah last question sorry for pestering you but how long do you have on your contract how long do you still want to play football because I hear Sophie obviously her aim is the next world cup when do you stop when when is the moment where you notice I might stop this is a really good question because the other day I said to Janice Janice I don't know how you do it you're 35 and you keep going and I'm not talking physically I'm talking mentally. Good question, Ali. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a good question because people ask me all the time, but I don't know. And I think it's when I would feel that I'm not good enough anymore that I really feel that I start to slack on maybe physically as well then. Then I would just leave the honor to myself and say it's enough. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a tough one. Like here in Leicester, I have this season and an, an option year. Um, so we'll see how, how that goes. And I mean, I hope I can stay here. And uh, yeah, I think you see it year by year. And yeah, next World Cup is in 2027. So that's still a while. <laughs> that is a while away. Is there anything specific you do 
to stay physically fit? Um, I think just listen to my body and take care of my body. Um, like when there's a recovery session after a game to do it and uh, not be shy to ask for treatment as well if needed. And then other than that, just take, yeah, take care, eat well. That's what you realize when you get a little bit older. Yeah, I think so. I think it's an important part of the game as well. And when you get older, you realize you don't recover the same anymore. Um, so it's important to also really take care of this. That's what I learned. Thanks so much, Janice, for all your insight. Um, I was speaking to Ollie when we were talking about podcast guests and I said, I really wanted to get you on, not only for you as a player, because I think you can provide something that I can't. Simply, I haven't won near enough silverware compared to you. Um, but also as a human being, I think you offer so much, not only to this team, to me as a friend, but also to everyone listening. So thanks so much for your insight. Thank you very much for the invitation, the kind words. Thank you from my side as well. It was real fun. Sorry for pestering you so much, but it's just interesting to get so much knowledge from a person who's seen so much already. So thank you very much. You're very welcome. All right, Ollie, I'll finish this off. It was good to see you again and I will see you next week. Take care, everyone. Lovely to see you too. And thank you for listening in. Bye-bye.